Let's uh, pray this morning and then we'll get into uh, what we want to talk about. Amen? Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we just come to You in Jesus' name. We love You this morning, Father. And we know that everything that You're doing in our lives is for a reason, for a purpose. Sometimes we don't understand it. But we know, Father, that all things work together for the good for those who are called according to Your purpose and according to Your plans. So, Father, we know that You're working everything out for our good. You know our, you have our best interest in mind. And we love You for that, Lord. And we thank You that even through the trials, we know that it's working out a plan in our lives. And we'll give You all the praise and honor and glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Now, I want everybody to stand up this morning. I want you to pick the closest aisle that is to you and I want you to step out into that aisle. If you can. If you can't, you can stay where you're at. But if you can. Okay. Now I want you to look at the person to your left and say hi. And look, turn the person to your right and say hi. Now I want you, everyone just to look up and then stretch as tall as you can up to heaven with both arms and say hi. Alright, now everyone just bow over. Real quick, just bow down, touch your, touch your toes if you can. If you can't, that's okay. Alright, all right, everyone get back up. Take a couple deep breaths. Okay, one more. You know, sometimes in our lives, we get so stressed out. And things are happening in our lives. And, and stuff is just occurring. We just need to take a minute sometimes and just breathe. Take a minute and say, everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to be alright. No matter what I'm going through, it's going to be okay. I just wanted to take that moment this morning. We can just breathe a little bit. You know, sometimes we need that sigh of relief. Just, ah, it's going to be okay. Alright, you guys can be seated now. I want to talk about a word this morning that we probably hear a lot, especially in Christian circles, but we forget about it sometimes. Um, we talk about it maybe on Sunday, and we talk about it maybe when we show up on Thursdays, but during the week there's so much activity, especially we as Americans, and there's so much activity going on, and so many things happening in our lives that it creates stress and worry robs us of our peace, robs us of the things that, that you know, we need to meditate on, and it takes our attention away from the things that we should be focused on. And one of those things I want to talk about this morning is joy. And that's the name of my message, joy. You know, the Bible tells us that there are many things that are going to come into our lives. And Jesus never said that we were going to, when we got saved, that we were going to live in a bed of roses. That everything was going to turn up cherry rose for us. That everything was going to work out. Jesus never said that. There's a teaching going along that if we just believe, then all, everything's going to work out for us. Everything's going to be perfect. Everything's going to you know, turn up rainbows and sunshine for us. Jesus never said that. He actually said the opposite. He actually said that you were going to go through things. That stuff was going to happen in your life. That, you know, situations were going to come up that you had no control over. And some of us, that's where we operate a lot of times. Well, I've got to control this. I've got to operate this. I've got to work this out. This thing has to work. Sometimes that's not how it works. And we get so discouraged and we get so upset because we couldn't control that situation or because it didn't work out the way we wanted it to. And that's hard. I know. I've been here many times in my life. Or I wanted it to work out exactly the way I wanted it to. But God had other plans. Many of you know my testimony and how I went through a divorce and, and then you know, was uh, going through a lot in my life. And then, of course, I met Amanda. And uh, God started redeeming everything that was robbed from me in my, in my first marriage. Thank God He's a God that redeems. Amen? Thank God He's a God that, that we can look to and that He can fix things in our lives if we just give it to Him instead of trying to work it out on our own. 
Amen? Let's turn in our Bibles to uh, our first Scripture verse. John 16.33 I'm going to be reading out the New Living Translation this morning. In the world, Jesus talked about the world a lot. And He talked about the, the world being an enemy of the Kingdom of God. And how many of you know that when we live in the world, we deal with four different things that try and come against us. Four different things in the world. It's the world itself. And there's this world order, the, the way the world operates, the way the world conducts itself. Did you know that the world is fallen into sin? So the world can't be redeemed. So there's going to be things that are going to happen. The world is terrible. The world is a bad place to live. But we live in it, right? So the world, Jesus talked many times about the world being an enemy of God. So even Paul mentioned that, that. That the world and the things of the world are an enemy against God. So the world grates on us and is constantly pulling on us because we don't belong to the world anymore. Once we get saved, we don't belong to that kingdom anymore. We don't belong to the world. We belong to the kingdom of God. So all the things that happen in the world are going to grate against us because it's not us anymore. You know? It's that iron sharpening iron. It really affects us because we live in a fallen world. Another thing that fights against us is the devil. The devil doesn't like who we are. Once we get saved, we, we actually create a target on our back because he is, now is, uh, we are what he wanted to be. We are a child of God. We are serving Jesus. And we're living for him. We're, we're living for the kingdom of God now and not the, the world and, and the devil. So he doesn't like us. So now we painted a target on our back. So He's after us as well. Then we also have other people that we have to deal with. How many of you know sometimes that's tricky, right? we got people around us that are constantly grating on us. And why are they acting that way? Why is this going on? Why is that happening? Why don't they like me? Why does, you know, so we always have people around us that are always going to be grating on us as well. And that is also that iron sharpening iron, right? And sometimes we don't even see the plans and the purposes that God is doing even through a person who might be grating on us and, and, and uh, perfecting us, if you will. You know? That's, what, that's the word I like to use because a lot of times, you know, it's like a diamond. A diamond can't be formed until there's pressure and heat. But once the diamond is formed and then it's, it's actually, you know, formed and pressed together and then you actually begin to take things off of it and it becomes the diamond it was meant to be. Sometimes that's what we get whenever we have people around us that are like that and they're grating on us and they're creating heat and friction. Well, we're being perfected. And that's hard to see sometimes. And now I want to talk about one other thing. Ourselves. So we've got the world. We've got the devil. We've got other people. And we've got ourselves. A lot of time, even ourselves, we're the biggest critic we've ever had. How many of you know what I'm talking about when I say that? The biggest critic is us. Oh, I failed again. Oh, I messed up again. Oh, I screwed up again. Oh, I did that again. Oh, I, asked, I tried to give that to the Lord. And here He, you know, I thought it was done and over with. And here I am again. Right back in the same mess I was in. You know? So sometimes it's us too. So there's four different things that we have to deal with. But did you know that in John chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus tells us, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in Me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart <laughs> because I have overcome the world. Amen? So Jesus knew that we were going to have trouble. He knew that we were going to have trials. He knew that we were going to have sorrows. But He said, take heart because I have overcome the world. See, Jesus came so that we could rely on Him and depend on Him and stop struggling so hard to fix things ourselves, to try and do things on our own. And did you know that when we actually begin to rely on Him and trust in Him, we have peace. Our worries melt away. Why? Because it's no longer us trying to do it. It's no longer us trying to fight. It's no longer us trying to, to defeat the enemy. The enemy's already defeated. Why are we struggling with someone that's already been defeated? Because the devil wants to convince us that he's not defeated. That he's not done. That he doesn't know what his end is. 
So He tries to bring problems into our life. He tries to bring worries. He tries to bring sorrows. He tries to bring trials into our life. Listen, the devil's been around for a very long time and he knows way better than we do how to handle humans and how to handle mankind. He knows exactly what our weaknesses are. He knows exactly what we struggle with. So guess what he's going to do? He's going to try and bring stepping stones or stumbling blocks into your way. He's going to try and create mountains that seem impossible to move. But I'm sorry, Jesus told us right here that he has overcome the world. And He is greater than anyone that we have to fight with. Those four areas in our lives, Jesus came to destroy. Amen? He came to destroy the world and to set the world apart from the kingdom of God. He came to destroy the enemy, which is the devil. He came to bring us into peace with everyone around us. You know, Jesus helped us when He came on the inside of us to defeat ourselves to conquer that inner voice that tells us we're no good, that we're dangerous, that we don't know what we're doing. Jesus wants to silence those voices that come against us. And see, when we give all those things to Him, when we begin to lay down those burdens, when we begin to set aside all those problems and worries, then that joy comes. And that's where God wants to operate in our lives. He wants us to stay in that joy. He wants us to trust Him in everything that we do. You know, many times in my life, I know, and I'm sure you can relate to this when I tell you this, but when things come up, I want to fix it immediately myself. I want to immediately go to, oh, how can I do this? And I come up with 15 different plans on how this is going to work out and how I'm going to do it. But did you know that's not how the Kingdom of God operates? He wants us to bring it to Him first. He wants us to bring those problems, those burdens, those worries, those situations to Him. And then when we do and we cast our cares upon Him, when we give those burdens and those problems to Him, then that joy can flow through us. See, when we're walking around with all those burdens on our shoulders that we shouldn't be carrying, it's hard. It's not easy. The Bible tells us that Jesus said that, that you know, my burden is light. Well, if His burden is light, then how many of you know that we carry around heavy burdens, right? We carry around burdens that don't belong to us. I know when I was in Columbia, there was many times when we were actually preaching and, and uh, on Sunday morning because of the COVID thing, they would have three different services on Sunday morning. So I would preach all three services. So I would go in at sometimes 7 o'clock in the morning would be the first service. Then 8.30 and then 9 o'clock or 10 o'clock would be the third service. So I'm talking three different services. But there was time in between the services where we'd be able to sit and chat or have breakfast or something with the pastors. And there was more than one time, more than once, where we were sitting here talking to the pastors and the Lord began to move on the pastor's heart. Oh, what you talked about this morning, that just really hit me. That was just, I'm, that's something I'm dealing with. And it was always about burdens. It was always about carrying things that you shouldn't be carrying. It was all about stuff that they were dealing with that they shouldn't be dealing with. And I remember one in particular, it was a pastor's wife, and I was talking about bitterness and how bitterness can come in and take root. And Jesus wants to come in and rip that root of bitterness out. And she was like, oh, that was exactly for me. You wouldn't believe the stuff I've been going through. And I've been hard, I mean, I have such bitterness towards the people in the church, towards my husband. And he's the main pastor, and I just, and we had, and I said, well, you know what? I think right now we're supposed to pray for you. Because if the Lord's dealing with you about what I talked about, then we really need to pray for you. And of course, this is all through, you know, they're speaking Spanish. So, you know, I'm having to deal with a, an interpreter, and, uh, and we actually had uh, um, Alejandro, which was, uh, but we called him Fred, which is easier than Alejandro. Uh, but uh, Fred was actually my interpreter then. And so, you know, we're trying to minister to her, and it's hard because you got this language barrier. But the Lord begins to move on her, and I mean, all this bitterness, all this anger, all this stuff came up out of her. Right in between two services. So, I mean, we're having breakfast with her, and all this stuff starts coming up. And she's like, I don't know what's going on, but I know the Lord's doing something, and, and I know that that uh, he, he's really pulling out this bitterness, right? I, I mean, she knew that she had 
met with Jesus that morning. Amen? And that God was actually pulling up all this bitterness and all this stuff that she had given into over just trying to serve the people of God and her husband. So, praise God. So, I mean, that's just one of many testimonies that we have about what you know God had done while we were down there. But it was amazing to see the Lord move on these people and uh, especially people who were carrying stuff that didn't belong to them. And they needed joy. They needed the joy of the Lord. They needed the joy of, of understanding who they are and what they can do. You know, I preached very simple messages when I was down there. And, and that's me. I don't like to get into all the, uh, you know, well, joy means 15 different words in Arabic and, and you know, in Greek. But that's how, who I am. You know, I mean, that's great. You know, when, when, when uh, you know, you're a teacher and you can get into that and stuff, but I like to keep my messages very simple because uh, when, when we have people that, that have never been to church or, or, you know, I don't know what background they're from, or where, you know, simplicity gets it in there, amen? And faith, when you preach faith, when, when you preach, you know, passion and, and understand that Jesus is the only way and that, you know, we replace... Uh, all our worries and stuff, we always seem to set them higher than who Jesus is. Amen? We always seem to put our worries and our problems and we have all these things that go on in our lives and it seems like they always take precedent over understanding who we are and who Jesus is in our lives. And, and it, all those things try and rob us of our joy. Our reason for being here. Our reason for being a Christian. Our reason for serving Jesus. We should have joy unspeakable and full of glory. We should have the joy of the Lord constantly operating out of our lives. I remember a couple times uh, me and Amanda actually joined the Nautilus down there on uh, Fairmont Avenue. Is that Fairmont Avenue or Locust? Locust Avenue. And, uh, and uh, I remember we would go in there to, to you know, work out and the guy was always like, there's smileys, you know, because we always came in smiling, you know. And, uh, but no matter what goes on in your life, you know, you've got to hold on to that joy. You've got to trust God, you know, that He's going to work out all these things in your life. That He is in control. But sometimes we, as humans, try and take that control back. And we try and say, well, I can do this. You know what, God, you can have this part of my life, but I'm still going to control this part of my life. And how many of you know, every time we do that, every time we try and take the reins, it always gets things messed up. Amen? It never works out the way we think it's going to. It never works out the way we want it to. But how many of you know that when we give those things over to God, they always work out for our good. They always work out for our benefit. So, many of us here this morning, and I just felt like, you know, uh, I needed to share this because it's just a reminder that we need joy operating in our lives and not worry, not despair, not sorrow. And, and uh, we have four things that are always fighting against us. And it's always hard whenever you have four things that are constantly grating on you, but then there's only one that is way more powerful than the four things that you're dealing with, but we forget that. So we put Jesus as this little thing over here and our problems are way up here. Amen? And it should be the opposite. Jesus should be way up here and our problems should be down here. You know, when I uh, worked with Brother Shambach, he used to say all the time, uh, you don't have any problems, all you need is faith in God. Well, that's simple to say. You know, that's very easy to say that. You know, you don't have any problems, all you need is faith in God. That is true. But our problems are still there. Amen? And we still have to trust God that He's going to get us through those problems. And that's the hardest part about being a Christian. That's the hardest part about living in this world. Is that we have to trust. And a lot of us have had trust broken in our lives. A lot of us have had trust that, that we, you know, people have promised us things. And it's fallen apart. People have promised us that they're going to come through for us. And they don't. You know? So it's too hard to trust God when the people who are right in front of us, we can't trust. So I understand this morning that sometimes it's not easy to trust God. Sometimes it's not easy to just say, God, I give this to You and You're going to work this out. But you still want to step in. You still want to have a part to play. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning is that joy that we have operating in our lives and should be always operating in our lives 
um, is got to come first. It has to take precedent over our worries, our fears, our anxieties, all the things that. So how do we get that? Where does that come from? So where you know? How do we get back to the joy of the Lord? How do we understand that He wants us to operate in joy? That's where our power comes from. The Bible tells us in Philippians 4.13 that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What's His strength? Where does that come from? Well, in Nehemiah 8.10, it tells us that that the joy of the Lord is my strength. So, you know, we know from Nehemiah that they were going back to rebuild the city. The, the new, to go back and rebuild Jerusalem because it had gotten destroyed by the Babylonian Empire. So they were going back to rebuild that. And he was telling them, listen, this ain't going to be easy, folks. This is not going to be easy to rebuild these ruins. It's not going to be easy. And it probably won't even look the same as it did before it got destroyed. And we know that the temple's not going to look the same. We don't have the money, the means, the power like Solomon did to actually build the temple the way it was. But we are going to rebuild the temple, but it's not going to be the same. It's not going to be as big. It's not going to be as grand. But we'll be able to rebuild it. And that's why he was saying, you can't look at what's going on. You can't look at the, the new walls and say, well, that's not like the old walls. You know, you can't look at the temple and say, well, that's not like the old temple. Because how many of you know when we get our eyes off of what the Lord is doing and get our eyes on the circumstances and get our eyes on, well... It's not like it used to be, you know. Even church nowadays, people. I, you know, I talk to people all the time. They're like, "Well, church isn't the way it used to be." You know, I don't know what's going on. The Lord's not moving like He used to, and I don't know. We just gotta, we gotta know that the church may falter one day and it may not survive. And yeah, I get that. People are talking to me about that stuff, and I'm like, "Well, I don't know if I can agree with that." You know. (laughs) Because the Lord's going to do what He wants to do, amen? And He's going to accomplish His will on this earth, whether the church is involved or not, amen? So, but I know from that, this is exactly what Nehemiah was trying to get the people to, to not look at, was the walls aren't going to be the same, the temple's not going to be the same. So where does your strength come from to finish these walls? Where does your strength come from to rebuild the temple? Where does your strength come from? It's the joy of the Lord. Understanding the Lord's in this. He's going to do this. He's going to fulfill my plan, my purpose. He's going to accomplish everything that He needs to accomplish in my life. And it will be done. Amen? Everything that the Lord's doing in your life will be done. It will be done. It will be accomplished. Whether you understand what's going on in your life right now or not. But the joy of the Lord will help you to accomplish that. He will give you the strength that you need to finish the fight that you started to fight. Amen? The Bible tells us He is the author and finisher of our faith. That He will finish what He started. That He's not a God who only does things halfway. But He's a God that will finish it. Amen? He's a God that will accomplish everything in your life that He promised that you will accomplish. You will finish it. You will finish the fight. You will finish your course. You will run your race. And you will finish it in His strength. Amen? Amen. Praise God. You will finish it. Praise God. Hallelujah. That's why the Bible tells us in Philippians 4.13 that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You concentrate on Him. You concentrate on who He is. You concentrate on the fact that you are more than a conqueror. That you will not succumb to the enemy's wiles and woes that he tries to bring into your life. But you will overcome. Why? Because the Bible tells you you are more than a conqueror. You are an overcomer. You are the head and not the tail. You are above and not beneath. Everywhere that you step belongs to you. That's a promise from Joshua that God gave him. That everywhere that you go, that belongs to you. So you need to remind yourself of these things. You need to remind yourself of who you are. You know, you've been beat up. You've been pressed down. You've been kicked around. And you forget who you are. But you're a child of God. You are an overcomer. You can overcome. Amen. Praise God. You know, I've had to tell myself that many times in my life. That I've had to remind myself that I am not a failure. That I am not who the devil's telling me that I am. I'm not who I'm telling myself that I am. I am not who others are telling me that I am. I am not what the world is telling me that I am. 
but I am who the great I am tells me that I am. Amen? That I am going to defeat the enemy. That I will overcome. That I am bought with a price. That I am a royal priesthood. A chosen generation to show forth the works of God. Amen? That I will have the nine gifts of the Spirit operating in my life. My family will be saved. Amen? My children will be saved. My spiritual children will be saved. Amen? Hallelujah. Why? Because I know that greater is He that's in me than he that's in the world. I know that I am and will continue to overcome the enemy. Sometimes I may not feel like it, but I don't go by my feelings. And that's a hard thing to overcome. You can't go by what you feel. You've got to go by what the Word of God says. The Word of God says exactly what I said. That we are more than overcomers. That greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. The Bible says that the devil, as a roaring lion, goes about seeking whom he may devour. But, comma, the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. Amen? The Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. He can't come against that. He cannot come against what you don't give him place to come against that. Amen? Sometimes in our lives, maybe we have things that, that uh, come in and, and we're so easily swayed by those things because the devil knows that we're easily swayed. So we need to be careful that we don't give place to certain things that we're easily swayed by. Many times we open up a door that maybe we weren't meant to open. Amen? Well, you know what you do? I had a pastor friend of mine tell me one time that you ask for a crop failure. In other words, you sowed bad seed. You say, Lord, I'm sorry, man. I, I sowed that bad seed and I apologize. I don't want that to grow. So I want a crop failure. I don't want that seed to germinate. I don't want that seed to grow. I want that seed to die. Amen? How many of you have ever been there? You know that you sowed some bad seed. You know that you shouldn't have said what you said, did what you did, went where you went. So you ask for a crop failure because you don't want to reap what you sowed in that area. Amen? It works because God operates off of a seed principle or, or a seed mentality. Amen? So if you sow bad seeds, ask for a crop failure. You sow good seeds, you want to reap that. Amen? So, let's turn in our Bibles to another Scripture verse. You guys enjoying this? Yeah? Amen. Let's turn in our Bibles to John chapter 14. And we're going to start at verse 15. It says, If you love Me, you will keep My commandments. And I will ask the Father and He will give you another Advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive Him because it isn't looking for Him and doesn't recognize Him. But you know Him because He lives with you now and later will be in you. So we see from this Scripture verse that Jesus was telling His disciples right before He was getting ready to go to the cross, that don't worry. I might be leaving, but I'm going to send somebody that's going to help you. And in that process of helping you, He's going to bring comfort, and He's going to help you to bring peace into your life. When you get saved, and you accept Jesus into your heart, your Spirit comes to life, and the Holy Spirit comes to dwell within you. So, when you have the Holy Spirit leading and guiding you, you actually have an opportunity to be led into all truth. How many of you know that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, right? So where does the Holy Spirit lead you to? Life. He always leads you to life, which is Jesus, right? So we see that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So the Holy Spirit always leads us to Jesus. So if we have the Holy Spirit and we're listening to the Holy Spirit, guess where He always takes us to? Truth and life. He always gives us life. John 10.10 tells us that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. That actually means life to the fullest. The devil wants to come and rob you and steal from you. Guess what he tries to rob and steal from you? Your peace, your joy, your faith, your life. He tries to destroy all those things in your life. He is the one that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. 
but Jesus came that we might have life. If we have life operating in our bodies, if we have that life of God operating in us, joy is going to automatically come out. But when we focus on the worries and the problems and the things that happen in our life, that steals our joy. It steals our purpose. It steals our stamina. It kills us. It, it tries to stop us from running the race that God has for us. Amen? So it's very, very, very important that we always allow the Holy Spirit to lead and guide us because He always, always takes us to Jesus. Now how do we silence those other voices? How do we do that? Well, you know what? When I first became a Christian, it was very hard for me to learn how to hear from the Holy Spirit and to understand the difference between God's voice, my voice, and the voice of the world. So we always have three voices that are always operating in our lives. It's, the, it's always the Holy Spirit, and it's always our voice, and it's always the voice of the world or the voice of the enemy. Always trying to you know, get in our mind and always telling us certain things to do. So how many of you know that the world is never going to lead us to the Word? The Word and the devil is never going to say, you need to pray. The devil's never going to tell you you need to pray, right? So if, the, if you hear and you're, you need to pray right now, guess who that is? It's the Holy Spirit, right? Telling you to pray. So if, you know, if you're getting ready to do something, you know you shouldn't do that, and it's like something is like, you know, stopping you and you're like, ah, oh, well, maybe I should, maybe I shouldn't. Well, the maybe you shouldn't is what? The Holy Spirit, right? So the maybe you should is you, the world, and the, the devil, right? Telling you maybe you should. So that's how you learn to operate the difference between the enemy, the world, yourself, and the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit will always take you to the Word will always tell you to pray. will always tell you, no, you shouldn't do that when you know you shouldn't do that. So, it's almost, it is a conscience that you have living on the inside of you, but that's how you learn to do it. You have to decipher between, is that me? Or is that the Holy Spirit? And that's the best way that i found to learn, is to get the Word of God in you, and then the Holy Spirit will actually guide you to the Word. And that anything you ever hear, most of the time, once you get the Word on the inside of you and you learn it and you get it in there, the Bible says that David told us that, Lord, let me hide my Your Word in my heart so that I might not sin against You. So if you have the Word of God in you, guess what? The Holy Spirit's going to use that Word that you have in you to guide you into all truth, which is taking you to Jesus. And that's how you learn to decipher between what the world is saying, what you're saying, and what the Holy Spirit is saying. So, is that good? Amen. And I know probably some of you here already knew that, but it's always good to hear that again too because sometimes it gets so scrambled. And I know it, it does get confusing sometimes, so I just have to wait. God, i got to hear Your voice. If, if I don't hear You tell me to move, I'm standing still. I'm not going to move till You tell me to move. I'm not going to do anything until you tell me to do it. And then when you say that I need to do that, I know it will always line up with the Word of God. It will always line up with, with what the Word is saying. Now you, you're like, well, how do you know whether or not to go to the grocery store or not? Do you need groceries? Go to the grocery store. You know? I mean, that, some of that, you know, it's like sometimes people get kind of goofy. You know, they go over into some weird stuff sometimes. But now if the Holy Spirit says... I need you to go to the grocery store. That's completely different. Because there might be something going on at that grocery store you need to be a part of. Amen? But if you know you need groceries, you don't have to ask God to go to the grocery store. Just go. But if He tells you to go, you need to go. Amen? That's the difference. So, And it, you know, if you wake up in the morning and God says, no, I need you to wear this shirt, you need to put that shirt on. So, But if you get up and you just, God, what should I wear today? I don't know. I have a closet full of clothes and I don't know what to wear. Put something on. You know? I mean, so there's a difference there. So, um, I don't know. Some of you guys might know Sean Bowles. You ever heard of Sean Bowles? Um, I, I actually follow him and uh, I, I like what he does. He's a, he's a great man of God. And um, he's, uh, he's very good at um, you know, words of knowledge, words of wisdom, um, discerning of spirits. 
Um, he's used greatly in these areas, and um, you know, I listen to his uh, podcasts all the time. He was talking about one time in particular that uh, he had a, a friend of his that was just driving down the road, and, and she told God, God, you tell me to do anything. I don't care how ridiculous it is, I'll do it. I don't care what it is, I don't care, because I just want to do what you're telling me to do. So she's driving past a 7-Eleven. God says, I want you to go into that 7-Eleven and do a handstand against the wall right by the bathroom. And she was like, God, are you sure that's you? I don't know. You know, I don't, This sounds kind of awkward. And he's like, did you not tell me that you would do anything that I asked you to do? She was like, all right, Lord, I'll do this. So she goes into the 7-Eleven, does a handstand right by the bathroom. A girl comes out that was working in a 7-Eleven. She starts screaming, oh my God, oh my God, why are you doing that? Why are you doing that? I don't understand. Why are you standing on your head? And she said, well, God told me to come in here and stand on my head right by the bathroom. She goes, you're not going to believe this. I was just standing there in the bathroom contemplating suicide. And I told God, God, if I come out of this bathroom, if there's somebody standing on their head right here by the bathroom, I'll know you're real and I'll accept you into my heart. So she come out of that bathroom, seen that girl standing on her head, and got saved. And, and the Lord saved her life that night. But she was contemplating suicide, and this girl listened to the voice of God. And she was freaking out. Why, why are you doing that? Why are you doing that? See, God knows where you're at. God knows what's going on in your lives. Amen? He is a God of the details. But listen, that's just not one of many you know, that, that times that God has done things like that. And, and if we're just willing to obey and listen, God can use us in the smallest ways, but God saved that girl's life because the other girl was like, whatever you tell me to do, God, I'm willing to do it. Amen? So, the joy is where we need to live at. The joy of the Lord is our strength. And Jesus gave us the Comforter that dwells on the inside of us that will always lead us to the truth, which is that joy. And He'll always help us. Let's turn to uh, John 14.27. I know we don't have to go very far over because we were in John chapter 14 already. We're going to wind it down here in just one second. But the Bible tells us in John 14.27, I am leaving you with a gift. Jesus said, I am leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind and heart. And that peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. How many of you know that when Jesus gives us a gift, we just need to accept it, right? It's a gift. We don't have to earn it. There's nothing we have to do. But Jesus specifically told us right here that it's a gift. Peace of mind and heart. And then He said, the peace that I give you is a gift the world cannot give. So how many of you know that the world can't give this kind of peace that we're talking about today? Amen? The world can't give this to us. It comes directly from Jesus and from the Holy Spirit that lives on the inside of us. It's peace of mind and heart, but it's the peace that the world will never understand. How many of you know there's been a lot of times where I've been through situations in my life and I've walked right through with peace and I'm like, how did that happen? Where did that come from? That's that peace of God that passes our understanding that the world can't understand. We'll never understand. They can't even grab a hold of if they're not a Christian. They can't even begin to contemplate how did you walk through that and not get discouraged? How did you walk through that and not have problems come up in your life? How did you walk through that and, and not get you know distraught and discouraged and, and just want to end your life? I had the peace of God that passes all understanding. Amen? The peace of God that the world will never understand. And then Jesus tells us, so don't be troubled or afraid. How many of you know that I've talked about this before, but I always think about this, and I heard this from um, Pastor Parsley. Um, he has a church out in Columbus, Ohio. And, and uh, he talked about it, and he still talks about it. But fear, fear, if you take fear and break it down into an acronym, it's actually false evidence appearing real. So fear is always a false evidence that appears real. How many of you know that when things come up in our life, we instantly go to the fear factor? Amen? We go to that false evidence appearing real and we give in to fantasy things that, 
what if this happens? Or what if that happens? What if this takes place? What if I walk down this road? Or, or what if this takes place over here? And it's that false evidence appearing. We don't even know it's going to happen. But now we've worked ourselves up into such a frenzy and we're afraid that, if, oh, that might happen. Well, that could happen. Or what if, this, what if they say this to me? Then this could happen. It hasn't even happened yet. But we walk in that, that area where it's that false evidence appearing. It's so real to us that we're almost already walking in it. And it hasn't even happened. And how many of you know that when we get to that situation, it's nothing like we thought it was going to be? So all that worry, all that stuff we worked up, all those things that were going to happen, all that false evidence appearing real, all those things that we worked up in our mind, this is going to happen, and that doesn't even happen. So all those worries that came on us didn't even have to be or belong to us. Amen? But that's, we're human. That's what we do. And that's why we need to go to the Lord first. We need to cast those burdens, those things that happen in our life, to Him first. Let Him take care of it. He wants to take care of it. It's not a burden for Him to take care of the things that we're going through. And I, and I just felt like when I said that, that, somebody needed to hear that this morning. It is not a burden to give your burdens to the Lord. He wants your burdens. He does not want you to carry these things. They don't belong to you. He loves you so much that He does not want these things. And you are not a burden to Jesus. You are not a burden to God. He loves you unconditionally. And He wants to take those things away from you. He wants you to give every burden, everything that you carry to Him. But that's so hard for us to do. You know, we're so um, uh, used, it, it's our norm to, to, to draw or bring up drama, to cause things in our lives that shouldn't be there. You know, it's, it's almost normal for us as human beings to do that. To look for reasons to be miserable. You know, that's so easy to do. It's easy to see the problems around us and, and, and let it affect us. And I'm not saying don't have empathy for people. I'm not saying don't have compassion. But what I am saying is don't let it affect you to the point where it becomes fear in you. Where it becomes worry to you. You know, because everywhere we go, Jesus even said, listen, the poor and the blind... And the halt and the and the and the land, you'll always have with you. They'll always be a part of society. They'll always be here. But I want you to concentrate on the kingdom of God. See, all those things are just icing on the cake, if you will, from having a relationship with Jesus. Amen. All those things of uh, you know being able to pray for the sick and watch them being healed, um, to believe for the poor, and to uh, you know to give as you can. I mean, that's icing on the cake from just serving Jesus. Amen? That should just be something natural. That just happens. Because our relationship with Him and us walking in joy and people being attracted to us. How many of you know that when you walk around, um, like, uh, oh, what's that? What's that? I just uh, thought about that. But there's that, that dog um, that was always, well, wish me. The world is falling apart. What was that dog's name? From the 70s, anybody remember? Muttley. That's it. Remember Muttley? He was always walking around with his head down, always looking. And then you got Eeyore. Eeyore. Remember Eeyore? The world is coming apart. Everything is just so bad. Would you want to be, you know, if, if you knew I was a Christian and I was walking around like Eeyore all the time, would you want to be a part of that kingdom? I don't think so, you know? But how many of you know when we're walking around with our head up? When we're walking around with the joy of the Lord on us. You know, when people are, wow, I want to I want to get to know that guy because he's got a big smile on his face and, you know, I would rather be a part of that kingdom. Amen? So, today, I just want us to focus on the fact that Jesus wants to restore our joy. He wants us to walk in the joy of the Lord. He wants us to rely on His strength. Because the joy of the Lord is my strength. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So it's the joy of the Lord that operates in us that gives us the strength that we need to defeat all those worries, all those fears, all those things that come into our lives. Let's turn in our Bibles to one more Scripture verse. It's Romans 14.17. 
The Bible tells us, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but of living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Paul was telling us right here, for the kingdom of God is simply living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. How many, I follow uh, Toby Mack. How many of you guys like Toby Mack? You know who he is? Some of you older folks may not know who he is, but I, I follow Toby Mack on Instagram. And he had a saying the other day. He said that if you have something in your life that is robbing you of your peace, it's too expensive. I really like that. If you have something in your life that is robbing you of your peace and costing you your peace, it's too expensive. So how many of you today can even think maybe about one thing, two things, ten things that you know that's robbing you of your peace and your joy, then at some point in your life, you're going to have to get rid of that because it's robbing you of your joy. Praise God. You know, even in my life, I can reflect and look back at many times where I've had things in my life that kept robbing me of my joy. Uh, you know, and sometimes when you're in it, you don't even see it. But what I want you to do this morning, I really want you to, as we pray and we close, I really want you to focus on maybe those things that have robbed you of your joy. You know, maybe it's, I don't know, maybe it's your job. Maybe you just need a new job. Did you know that God can even create a job for you? because He doesn't want you in the job you're in. I'm standing here today telling you that I know that for a fact because I worked at the post office for 15 years. Now, if you work at the post office, man, when I first went there, I kid you not, I had not one gray hair in my head and I was not bald. I'm serious. And I used to work beside a guy that would tell me every day when I'd go in, before you leave here, you'll be on some kind of medication, prescription medication, or you'll drink before you leave the post office. So, because that job is stressful. Now, I didn't believe him, of course, when I first started there. But once I got my own route, I was there every day delivering the same mail. Packages galore. You know, when I first got there in 2005, there was hardly any packages whatsoever. I'd come in and we had this big hamper. It was a big orange hamper. And there was maybe ten packages in there. Ten. When I left the post office a year ago, when I left there, I was averaging three full hampers of packages. Daily. That's not a Christmas. That was daily. Three. See, everybody figured out it was more convenient to go online, press a button, and get it delivered to your house than it was to load the kids up, get them to the mall, make sure everybody's okay. Does everyone have your wallet? Does everyone have your stuff? Let's put the kids in the stroller. Let's start taking them around the mall. Wow, Mom, I'm hungry. Which, what is easier? To go online, tap a button, and have it delivered to your house, right? Next day. And even in the bigger cities, it's hours. You can actually get stuff delivered now in 45 minutes in New York City. 45 minutes from the time you click the button to your house. 45 minutes. Isn't that crazy? That's the world we live in now. See, I didn't want to live in that, <laughs> that post office world anymore. So, I mean, it was very stressful. And I was actually on, when I left there, the gentleman that worked beside me, his prophecy came true. I was on two blood pressure meds by the time I left there because of the stress I was under. Now, granted, I, thank God, I've actually been able to cut one in half in the year that I've not been there. Amen? My blood pressure's been coming down and things have been better. So, but it's still very stressful at that workplace. God opened up a way for me to make another living flipping homes and actually selling, going in, fixing up homes, and then selling them. Which is, I love it. I love restoring old homes. I love doing that. That's, that's my niche, man. I do electric, plumbing, you name it, I do it. But I love it. So, and God actually told me that even though I'm restoring homes, I'm also going to restore lives. Amen? So that's what we're doing. We go to Columbia, man, we got, there was, I can't even count 
how many people got touched by the Spirit of God. Healings, miracles, people being touched physically, mentally, social, whatever. Man, they, I mean, it was amazing. God did some great things while we were down there. So I want to close with those slides, Risa. If you want to go to the first slide. I had a couple other scriptures I want to go through, or that I could go through, but man, we're, we're running out of time already. So, um, how many of you know that uh, um, there are tons of scriptures that talk about joy, especially in the Psalms? You go through the Psalms, I mean, there's not the joy of the Lord is my strength. Oh, well, that's in Nehemiah, but I mean, David talks about, you are my strength, you are my joy, O Lord. I mean, he just, you know, David. It was all about the joy of the Lord and the joy operating in Him. And we just see, you know, even when David danced in front of the ark, I mean, for miles, you know, that, that took every strength, every bit of strength he had. But it was the joy of the Lord that was operating in David that he was able to dance in front of the ark, bringing it back to the city. I mean, there was just many times where David talks about the joy of the Lord. And then we look, you know, just through Scriptures, the joy that the Lord gives us is amazing. So... I just want to tell one more story and then we'll get into the slides. Is that okay? Everyone doing good? I preached in Indiana. This was many years ago. It was even before I became a youth pastor in Cleveland. Um, but I was preaching in Indiana and I was at a, a church and they had, I preached on Sunday and then they had a youth group on Wednesday night. And I preached to the youth group on that Wednesday night as well. And uh, I don't know if you guys remember back in the 90s there was this laughter thing. What was going on in the churches? Do you remember that? Rodney Howard Brown was going around, and every time he preached, man, people would just start laughing. And, like, you know, literally, like, going slain in the spirit and just kept laughing, laughing. And, and I think the Lord was just doing something to try and get us to relieve the stress that we're under, you know? So, I was preaching at this youth group, and the, and the same thing hit the youth group, like the laughter thing. And so, the kids are like, I mean, they're rolling around on the ground. A couple kids kicked their, their way all the way back to the, the back of the church. They were laughing and carrying on. And I was preaching and, and it was like it fell on me and I'm laughing. And I mean, everybody's like slain in the Spirit or laughing or like can't get up. And it, and it was just crazy. I mean, it was amazing what the Lord was doing. So, uh, and uh, the parents, they start coming to pick up their kids. And normally the kids are, you know, start at 7. They're done by 9. They're ready to go home. These kids didn't want to go. So the parents are actually coming in the back door, and by the time they get halfway down, they're falling, and they're laughing. I mean, they, they're coming to pick up their kids, and they can't even make it to the front. So where's my kid at? Your kids are in the pew over here. He's laughing right now. You know, he's, he's enjoying the Lord. Um, you know, where's my kid at? Oh, he's over here in this corner. You know, he's slain in the Spirit right now. God's doing something. I mean, it was amazing. And, and the parents, they didn't care. They come in. You know, they got touched by the Spirit of God. So they're, I mean, we were there till almost midnight. So just God doing some awesome things, you know. But I mean, the Spirit of God came in there and the joy of the Lord filled that sanctuary. And nobody cared what time it was. They didn't care what was going on. They just wanted to enjoy the Lord. How many of you know that when you operate in that and when that joy begins, you don't care. You don't care what time it is. You don't care what's going on in your life. Even when you're, in, sometimes when you're in prayer, you're just like, oh my, I've been here about a half hour. And you look and it's three hours. I'm like, where did three hours go? You know? So, but it's amazing when you get into the presence of God and that joy takes over, you don't care what time it is. You don't care what's going on. Amen? So, and uh, I mean, it was, I actually heard back after I left there, weeks after I left, like one girl was in a car accident and she had back problems. God healed her of her back problems in that, in that youth um, meeting. Um, there was a couple parents that were like, I don't know what you did to my kid, but he's completely different. He respects me now. He doesn't back talk. He doesn't. So how many of you know God can fix rebellion too? <laughs> so, and, uh, but it was amazing. So, I mean, we had just many testimonies that, that came in that, you know, just what God had done. And some parents were just like, I wish my kid was the way they used to be, but thank God he's not, you know. So, because it is hard to adjust to that when they're, all, you know, one minute they're, you know, listening to the hard rock music, and now they're burning all their, well, back then it was cassette tapes, you know, they're burning their cassette tapes and, uh, you know, uh, listening to what little bit of Christian music there was in the 90s. So, but it was amazing. So, all right, let's get to the slide here. I want you to look at this. It says, 
And uh, as we look at these, I want you to understand, I want you to get in your mind just how big God is compared to our problems, okay? This first slide says, this is the earth, this is where you live. Go ahead, Risa. And this is how tiny the sun is as compared to the largest known star, Stevenson 218. See our sun? That little tiny dot compared to the biggest star that we know of. And this is the earth that's seen from Mars. Earth is just a tiny dot in the Martian sky. That's how big the earth is when you're standing on Mars. And this is how tiny our planet is as compared to our parent stars. So that's our sun. And see that little arrow pointing down there to earth? So that's how tiny we are. Okay, Risa. And there are about two trillion galaxies like our Milky Way in the observable universe. Two trillion galaxies. Not just solar systems. Galaxies. And God created all of that. All of it. Not just our Milky Way, but every one of those galaxies. And this is our home galaxy. All the stars that we see in the night sky only belong to this yellow circle. So when we look up at our night sky, that little tiny yellow circle right there is all we see. That's it. And this is the Earth as seen from Voyager 1 when it was 6 billion kilometers away. Earth is pretty small there, isn't it? Okay, Risa. That's it? Okay. So we see from this that our God is a pretty awesome God, isn't He? So I thought there was one more talking about the there was a giant Milky Way. Did we miss that one? Or a giant solar system that was like... There we go. And this is our home galaxy compared to 1C1101, the largest known galaxy, about 6 million light years wide. Our galaxy is up there in the corner. But that's the largest galaxy that we know. Our galaxy is a little tiny dot compared to the biggest galaxy that we know of. And God, our God, our Holy Spirit that lives in us, created all of that. Does that put that in a little bit of perspective this morning? You know? It helps sometimes just to get outside of ourselves and to see how vast and how big our God really is. Now, some might say, man, with two trillion galaxies, there's got to be more life out there. Well, God created them too. And God probably sent a Jesus just like He did for us. He sent for them as well. So, and He died for them just like He did for us. Amen? Rodney Howard Brown says all the time, he gets the same question. Is there aliens? Are aliens real? Are aliens out there somewhere? And he's like, well, if there is, I'll preach Him Jesus just like I do here. Amen? So how many of you know God sets everything up? He's the same God. So I guarantee you, if there's other planets out there just like ours, He sent a Jesus for them too. And He set it up just like He did for us. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just come in Jesus' name. And I know we went a little over this morning, Father, but I just want everyone to understand and know how much You love us, but also how big, how vast, how amazing, how incredible You are. And just how big You are compared to the things that we go through. And I know sometimes we wrestle with giving these things to You. We wrestle with just who we are and who You've created us to be, Father. But I ask and pray this morning that each one of us begin to look down inside of us and know that there are things, even myself, Father, I know there are things that I don't give over to You right away. There are things that I wrestle with. There are things that I don't understand. There are things that I can't even begin to contemplate or even understand that goes on in my life sometimes. But I know the God who does. And I know You know me better than I know myself. And I ask that if there's anyone here this morning, Father, that is wrestling um, with holding on to things, with holding on to uh, stuff that's happened in their lives um, that, that doesn't know what else to do with it, and it's caused them to lose their peace and their joy. I ask that they give that over this morning, Father, that they walk out of here free from every bondage, every chain, everything that would hold them back. And Lord, You said in Your Word that if we just believe, if we just give it to You, if we just say, Jesus, help me, 
That is probably one of the best prayers that we can pray. Jesus, help me. If we pray that, we know that you will come and you will help us, Father. So I ask this morning, Lord, that you help us. Give us the strength to lay these things down at your feet, to give them to you, and to walk away free from everything that would hold us back from serving you and walking in the joy and the peace and, and the, the understanding of who you are in our lives. We'll give you all the praise and honor and glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If I could have those who are praying come forward. And if you know that you've been holding things back, just come down and, and these guys will pray for you and believe with you. And uh, if you don't, you're dismissed. Amen.